0: We're going to be continuing our series today called Clues to the Kingdom. Clues to the Kingdom. And we've been talking about these clues that, that Jesus gives us to help us understand how, how and what to do and how do we live in his kingdom that he ultimately brought to the world, right? When Jesus came into humanity and he stepped out of eternity into humanity, he came to redeem us from the brokenness, invite us, and invite us into his new kingdom, right? That's what Jesus came to do. Right? So as, as you begin to explore, if you're exploring what Jesus, who he is, what he is, what he's trying to do in the world, he was trying, and his goal is to establish his kingdom, the new kingdom uh, that, that is, uh, revolves around him. It's a new kingdom where we can learn to live in this broken world as he created us to, and then live forever rather than suffer the consequences of our sin. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to establish his kingdom forever, that goes beyond our death, that goes beyond what we as humans will all inherit, which and will all have the same end, which is death. The the death rate for humanity is still right right around 100%. If you didn't know that, um, there's a statistic for you. Um, But we will all reach the same end. But Jesus gives us the eternity. He gives us the the kingdom uh, beyond death. He conquered it, as we sang today in our worship songs. Right, he initiated his kingdom when he came. He lived a human life. He died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And he he deposited in us. And as we see in his talking in John uh, fourteen and thirteen and fourteen and fifteen, and we see that when Jesus gives his final commandments to the disciples before he ascends, right, I'm going to give you my Spirit, who's going to be your comforter, who's going to remind you, and he's going to help you live in my kingdom right, as, as, my, as my people, right, he gives us his spirit to help us live in his kingdom, and so while the spirit works, so, so that way many of us can return to him, and that way before he comes back, as we're going to be talking about today in this parable, right, so as we talk about these parables, we see these parables help us understand how to live the kingdom to life in our broken world, and that's what Jesus does, he tells us these symbolic stories called parables, Last week, we talked about the 10 bridesmaids, and we're like, what does that have to do and mean? And if you'd missed that, you can go back and listen to the podcast at Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. But we talked about those stories last week, the 10 bridesmaids who were all awaiting the groom. Right? They're waiting for the groom to come back. He's, they've, lit, they've lit their lamps. They're waiting. They fall asleep because the groom was delayed. But only five of those that were considered wise brought extra oil. The foolish didn't. Right? And today as we look, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 again. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and jump there. But Matthew chapter 25, because we're going to look at the second parable there, commonly known as the parable of the talents or the three servants or, you know, whatever we want to call it, but the parable of the talents today. You see, these parables are connected. And as I've mentioned before, this is in the process of where Jesus has triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. Right? He's made it into, into Jerusalem. He's you know, had the, the Palm Sunday experience. They laid things down. He's went to the temple. He's flipped tables. Right? And we're like, yes, go, Jesus. He's grabbed the whip. You know, he's m- cleared, cleared things out. I'm like, yes, he's going to do some awesome things. He's done those things. He's given his final teachings, which he's trying to help the disciples, trying to help us understand what's to come. And what do we need to be looking forward to? And he says, hey, I'm coming back, right? He's hinted, he's talked about, hey, I'm going to die. And the disciples are like, no, let's not do that, Jesus. You're too awesome to die. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. They're like, what do you mean? And he's like, but something bigger is going to happen, right? Something amazing is going to happen. I'm going to come back again, right? So that Jesus stepped into human history when he was born. And after he died and came back to life, the Bible says he ascended into heaven and he will return one day to bring his full kingdom here. And we, in those 2,000 years, of w- have been a part of that waiting, right? We're in that waiting, of, waiting for Jesus to come back. But until then, how do we live? And that's what these parables help us do. They help us to understand and speak to this heart longing. And as we talk about the parable of the talents, this heart longing for a meaningful life. Because I don't know about you, I want to have a meaningful life. I want to do something meaningful with the time that I have, with the breath that I have, with the energy that I have. I want to do something mean- meaningful, And as as we know, many of us ponder that at different times, wonder, am I doing this right? Or am I making the most of my life? Am I putting energy into the right things? And for some of us who might be overthinkers at times, right, we, we have that drive home from work. Am I doing the right things? Did I say the right things? You know, like, this was that conversation good. God, am I doing what you want me to do? And today as we talk about the parable of the talents... He helps us see what it looks like and how do we live in the kingdom in a meaningful way. And so let's pray as we jump into God's word today and uh, just pray that his word would speak to our hearts. So God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word that's alive and powerful. God, we thank you that it speaks to our hearts, that it rearranges our priorities. And Lord, that we, when we apply it to our lives and apply it and allow it to be, you know, become more than just words on a page, but become ways that we live, God, our, our lives change. God, our priorities change, our decisions that we make change, God, and we just thank you for that. And so Lord, as we open your word today, may you speak to our hearts, may we walk out of the door as a different person than we walked in today, in your name we pray, amen, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can join me, if not, it'll be on the screen, I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture, so be ready to go and uh, turn your ears on, we're going we're to read this parable and then we're going to take some time to unpack it. But let's jump into Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, again, Jesus is talking, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip, right? So he sets the stage, right? He's giving us the stage of the parable. A man is gonna go on a long trip. The man that Jesus is trying to save is him. He says, he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to the other, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in p- a proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. And so we see he gave bags of silver, in other translations, and throughout time and history, we've learned we've, uh, from, the, from the Latin to this, we see that it was taken to say talent, right? It's talent. He gives five talents, two talents, which is a unit of measurement. We'll talk about that in a minute. minute. But it says the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. It says the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. It says after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Verse 22, it says, The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have two more here. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. It says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came to the master. He said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. He said, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. It says, then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? There's a lot there, right? There's a lot there in that story. There's a lot for us to unpack. And Jesus shares this parable as an illustration, right? He says that there's, a, there's a master, there's a, a, a guy who's, who ends up leaving. He ends up going on, on a journey, right? And it, it's an illustration for those who are waiting for his return. And so that's, like I said, we're in the waiting. We're the waiting uh, servants as we wait on Jesus' return. So how do we live a meaningful life in anticipation for the master's return? It's important for us to, to recognize that, to know and understand that what we give our time to, our mind to, our, our lives to, ultimately is a reflection of our values and what we value most, right? So to, so to summarize again, we said Jesus is the master, we are the servant. And as we see here, this word silver, right, that we talked about, this, this monetary measurement, is often and commonly translated to talent, right? You've heard that before, talent. And we're like, all right, America's got talent now, and I'm not going to do anything for you. But um, I do enjoy that show. But, uh, but it says, many scholars that we see put, put uh, the, the, this word here, talent, one talent, a bag of silver, as we see here, as equal to about 15 years of wages, right? That's a lot of money, right? In that time, and as we see, it's just meant to like, to show this astronomical number, right? For us, as we look at we try. it's hard for us to quantify. It's like, hey, 15 years of wages, you can kind of start doing some math in your head maybe, but then there might be some life circumstances, you might get a new job. So like, you, you really can't quantify it. It's just meant to say, hey, look, look what Jesus has given us. He's given us time, right? He's given us resource, right? And as we see, it's hard for us to quantify what each servant was given, but I think Jesus intentionally leaves it this vague, right? Not to be like, to, to dial it in perfectly, To be like, well, if I did this 5%, you know, and I had this return, you know, like, because some math people in the room are like, how do I best maximize this, right? You know, you guys, you guys do that. Um, But I think Jesus intentionally leaves this vague because, and we see that it's pretty astronomical because that's not the point of the story. It's not, it's not about the amount. Trust, it's not about the amount. It's what the servants do with it. That's what the servants do with what they were given by the master, entrusted to by the master. Because that's what you see here. That the master gave to the servant. He entrusted to the servants each one of them proportionally to what he saw in them, right? What, what did he say there? He, said, he says he gave it to them, dividing in proportion to their ability. So he, the master saw in each and every one of them the opportunity and the, and the, the, the knowledge and the ability to do something with what he had given him. Right? You see that? So the one that got five, the master's like, hey, I, can, I see you as a five-back guy. Right? And the master, the guy that got two, I see you as a two-back guy. guy. It doesn't matter that they got more or less. One wasn't better than the other, but the master saw in them the ability to produce. Right? Hear that. The master saw in them the ability to produce. Right? And then at the end of it, we see what really is the, the crutch of the whole story is how they respond to what the master's given them. Right, the mass, Those that with five, he, he doubled it. The one with two doubled it. But the servant with the one bag of silver, notice what it says here in Matthew 25, 24 and 25. It says, the servant with one bag of silver came to the master and said, right? So the master's come back. He's welcomed his other servants. The one with, that came with one came back to him. He said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. He said, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Right? And so what, what we see here is that we did this this servant didn't trust the master's right thinking. Right? The master saw in this servant, hey, you could take this one bag and double it. Like, hey, you could take this and steward this well. And as we see here in some translations, that, that the, the servant of the one bag, servant of the one bag, how do we how do we what should we call this guy? Should we call him Steve? Any Steves in the room? Okay, good, no Steve's. Um, so Steve, uh, I like to put names in the Bible sometimes. <laughs> Wait, Steve's in the back. Just kidding. Right? So Steve, he, he comes to him and he says, see, see, you still have what is yours. Right? He says, I know that you're a shrewd guy. I know that you harvest where you don't plant. I know that you're awesome. He's like, so I just hit it. Right? He says, see that I, you still have what is yours. And so in this phrase here, you see what is yours. It was at times used in the a Jewish transactionary kind of way. Right? He says, see that you have it, which basically means to say, I am not responsible for this any further right? So see that you have what is yours. It's basically him saying, all right, I'm not responsible anymore. Here's your money back. I didn't lose it all, right? Like that's kind of the way he's saying it right here. He's like, he, it, it kind of denotes and shows that he didn't really care about it at all from the beginning or the whole time. He was like, all right, thanks master. Goes and buries it by the tree and, and then master comes back. Here you go. Here's what's yours. I'm done with it. You kind of see the attitude there, see what he's trying to say, see you have what is yours. I'm not responsible for this any, any further. You see, the servant is saying to the master is, you know, that, that he's good at you know, exploiting the labor of others right? in a lot of ways. He says, you harvest crops where you didn't cultivate. You, didn't, you, know, you harvest crops where you didn't plant and gather them where you don't cultivate. right? And he's putting you know, this servant in this weird spot. He says, should he t- try to take this risk of trying to increase the one talent entrusted to him so he would see the profit? And as we see here, like, he was just kind of like, hey, like, it's not my job, right? You told me that to, you entrusted this to me. I saved it. Not to worry about it. How many of you guys have had worked with those people? It's like, you know, like, they don't do more than their job description, right? You, somebody like, you guys are like thinking of somebody right now, and you're like, hopefully that's not me. You know, as we in our family, like we say, like we do everything as if we're doing it for the Lord. So it's like, we got to go above and beyond. Church, Sound Life Church, let's go above and beyond for Jesus. So that, hope that's not a conviction for you. But we have those people in our lives that are just like, not my job, not my circus, not my monkeys, I'm not going to do anything else, right? Right? And that's what I love about being on this team here at Sound Life Church. And I have some pictures of, of some of our staff. Here's our lead pastor, Caleb, in, in our, our, one of our uh, manager team members, Eric, you gonna put it up there? This is them hunting moles at our Frederickson campus, right? Nowhere in Pastor Caleb and Chrissy's job description, moles were a mole hunter, right? <laughs> right? So they're there, they're hunting moles, they're having a good time, and I think the moles were kind of taken care of. So maybe they did a good job, maybe they didn't. But um, I don't know if they caught one, but they were hunting moles. All right. So the, above, above and beyond their job description, and then uh, we have here Diana. She's an elf during Christmas time. If you didn't know that. Um, Diana's on the right. She's one of our awesome receptionists and office assistants. Uh, she kind of handles all of our background checks and things like that. So if you ever are volunteering, you get an email from Diana. That's the face. She's an elf. She's awesome. Please respond. Do your background checks. Do all those things so we can have a, a, a good time serving here. But you know, being an elf isn't a part of her job description, but she does it willingly. And I love that about her. You see, what we, what we see about the servant is that the servant overlooks his responsibility to the master. Right, and his obligation to discharge his assigned duties. Right. And as we see here, is his failure betrays his lack of love for his master. Right? It was it was an empty love. Here, here's what's yours. I've I've not done anything with it. Which he masked by blaming his master and excusing himself. Right? That's what he ends up doing here, is he takes the thing that he was given. You see, only the wicked servant blames his master. Right? All the other servants come back to him and say, look, see what I've done. See, see you've entrusted me and now I've produced. I, I've turned what, the, what you've given me into more. You saw in me and I multiplied it. I love that about what we see in this depiction, but only the wicked servant blames his master. You see, there's a connect, that's where the connection of these two parables that we, we have here, the parable of the bridesmaid that we talked about last week and the parable of the talents here today, Right? We see that the unprepared bridesmaids failed from thinking that their part was too easy, right? Oh, I just got to show up with some oil and a lamp, keep it lit. The groom's going to come, well, it'll be great. But the groom was delayed, right? We see here that also the, the master leaves for a long time. He goes far, to a far land and leaves for a long time. And it's, it's in that process of waiting, right, that we are judged. Right, and as we walk through our life, as we go from birth to our eternity, right? Whether as we see here, good, bad, ugly, all of those things, as we are in this waiting period, a lot of times called life, which I don't like to think of life as a waiting room, but really we are we are eternal beings, on, you know, in our, our fleshly selves. But the unprepared bodies we've failed to think by thinking that their part was too easy. The wicked servants fails by thinking that his responsibility was too hard, that he would let the master down, that he, he couldn't do it, and so he hid it away, and he just said, it's, and when he gave it back, it's no longer my responsibility. You see, here's the beauty of it, is that God gives us grace. right? God gives us grace. See, We're not called to perfection, but his grace never condones irresponsibility. right? Just like the foolish bridesmaids, they didn't bring enough, they didn't prepare, they didn't think it through. And just like the servant, right, he was irresponsible, right? Burying it in the ground isn't always a good idea either, right? I mean, they're still finding treasures from thousands of years ago, the people who buried their treasure, right? They're like, oh, this guy decided to bury his treasure in the backyard, and you know, you get a metal detector, boop, 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 you know, that kind of thing. You find it, you're like, that guy didn't get to experience this treasure, <laughs> you know, he left it in the ground. And so how, what, the question is, how do we respond to what God has given us? How do we respond with what God has given us? Is our attitude that it's not my job it's not my responsibility you see the way to live a meaningful life and it's important for us to see this is be people who are spiritually responsive right and spiritually responsible and 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 steward well what they are given by God right that's what we are responsible for you see what can we learn from these servants who did it right and that's important for us to see you see because it doesn't matter when Jesus will return right we can we don't as we talked about we don't we can't really pinpoint that day it says not even the sun knows exactly when he's coming back it matters that we, he will return and he's looking for faithful servants and so that takes the pressure off me to not know but the pressure is on me to make sure i'm living my life in the right the right ways right i have opportunities to recalibrate and that's the beauty of of sunday morning church sometimes it's an opportunity for us to repent and re reestablish and reconnect and you know recalibrate our lives and i use a lot of r words there because i like r words but you know you know, we gives us opportunity to do those things so we can make sure we're on the right path with him. And so the first thought today is, as I look at what we can learn from these servants, it's important for us to see, is that we will be accountable for what we have done with the time that we have. All right? That's so our first thought today. Is that we're gonna be accountable. Right, we're accountable. We're, we're accountable to steward what we're given. The time, right, the, the, the talent, right, if we're going to use that in the English sense, our abilities, if we're going to use it in the monetary sense of our finances, right, if we're going to use it in the sense of our time of waiting and stewarding what God has given us in the way, but we are accountable for what we have done with the time that we have, with the resources that we have. You see, faithful stewardship here is what is, is that pleases the master is more than the actual return on investment, right? In this parable, it's important to see it was the faithful stewardship of what, what the master had given more than just the, the number, right? It was, hey, you took what, you would, what you'd given. You took what I saw in you. I saw in you, right? From the beginning, we said, we said that, that the master gave to them in proportion to their ability. So the master already saw in them. And so what God has given you, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your finances, your resources, your time, right? When we steward in a way that honors God, Right? That's, what God, that's what the master cares about. That's what we need to see. You see, sometimes we get focused on the return. When, when will it be? What's the order of things in the end? Does this current event line up with something in the Bible? Or we, you know, we're missing Jesus' point. Jesus is telling us to be prepared now, right, to make sure our heart's in the right place, make sure we're stewarding well what he's given us. And as we see here with what Jesus has given us, and Jesus has said throughout all of these stories, and as he leads up to his death, his resurrection, and his time after that, he says, be that being prepared is a theme, right? Are we personally prepared? What are we doing with what we've been given in the meantime? Important piece here is that we are accountable, right? We're accountable for what God has given us. The second thing is, is it doesn't matter what's in your hand. I love this. It doesn't matter what's in your hand. It matters if you're faithful with it. It Doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what's, what what you're given. Right. It doesn't matter if it's more. Like we shouldn't be looking. The, the we shouldn't be looking. There's there's no like looking at other servants here and like the the servant that was given five doesn't like scoff at the second the servant with two. The two does like that's not the attitude that we have to have here. But we are. It doesn't matter what is in your hand. It matters if you are faithful with it. And as you look at your life, and maybe you need to hear that today, is that you need to stop looking at what God has given other people, and our society is all about that, right? I mean, you turn on you know, TV, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you want to You'll know, put your, font, your mind to, and you're like, man, those guys got an awesome life. Oh, that guy went hiking again. Oh, another waterfall picture. Like, I guess that's what I see on my, my feed of Instagram. Um, you know, as you look at it, right, for me, it's like barbecue stuff. Like, that's, that's all that flies in my Instagram. Oh, that guy's got some nice brisket. Um, uh, <laughs> right? Stop looking at what God has given other people and start looking at what he's given you. Right? We're responsible for what we're given, right? Given in proportion, given by what, what, we, what we can do with it. You're not called to what they are called to. Hear that. We're not called to what they're called to. We're called to be who God's called us to be, who God created us to be. Right? I love that. It gives us freedom to be us. Right, some some curly-haired weirded weird guy. Sometimes, right, we get we get freedom to be who we are created to be. God needs you to be faithful with what He has given you, right? And as we see in our journeys in life, is that sometimes we got to be faithful with the good things, like all the awesome stuff that happens in life, but also we got to be faithful in the bad in the bad times. Right? When hardships come, right? when difficulties come, I love how James puts this in, in James 1, verse 2 and 3. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider, consider some opportunity for great joy. Right? When bad things happen, right? these things are, that are sometimes out of our control or that, that we don't want to deal with, he says, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. He says this, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Right? We look at these opportunities, good, bad, these things in our life, if we follow the Lord and we steward well what God has given us in the good and the bad, it gives us a chance for our endurance to grow. He says, so let it grow. He says, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Notice that he doesn't say, hey, when life is going perfect, when things are good, when your bank account is full, like all these things, like, he says, that's, that's when you'll be perfect. No, he says, hey, when you've endured. When you've gone through the hard times, when you've been faithful through the hard times, that is when you're going to be complete. That is going to be when you won't need anything because you will be walking with the Lord. You'll know him. And so how can we be faithful? We need to let our endurance grow, right? We need to be faithful in what we've been entrusted, our relationship, our finances, our, our time, our abilities. We need to ask God to lead us. How, many, how, how, how recently have you said, hey, God, can you, can you lead my budget this month? Right? How, re, how recently have you said, hey, God, can you, can you schedule, help me schedule my, my calendar for this month? Right? And you're like, I know I have all these things planned, but God, I want to make sure that you're, you're in all of this. Right? And we say, God, can you, can you can we just work this together and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart as you like pencil out your stuff and you're like, look at your calendar and you're like, wow, we got a lot of stuff. God, is there anything we need to remove? Right? Have we went to God that way? God, we're doing all these things. Holy Spirit, lead us, coach me, right? Because he says he will. He says he's our comforter, he's our coach, right? He's our encourager to the things of God. He helps, helps us keep in alignment with God as the world screams to get us off track, get us on our, on the wrong, or the wrong trail. The Holy Spirit keeps us and encourages us to stay on the right path. And so as your pastor, your friend, I, I encourage you, maybe, maybe do that with your budget this month as you look at it. All right, God, Let's, let's talk about this. Get your calendar out. God, here's the calendar. What do you think? Right? Or here's here's I'm spending my time. Here's what I'm giving my effort to, my talents. Like, I'm, I'm using it to, to exploit people, not lift your kingdom up. All those things. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in there. And look, the beauty of it is the process. It's a process. We don't have to be perfect tomorrow. My schedule still gets messed up right? My job is the church, right? It's kind of, you know, like I still get crazy busy. This week's going to be crazy busy because we're doing projects and things like that. And, you know, as your kids schedules, you know, in the summer, and you're like, this kid's going that way to camp and this and that. And you're like, what's going on with my life? You know, all those things happen, but we submit that to him and we entrust that to him. And so we see here that the servant, as he looked at it, his faithfulness depended on an accurate view of the master, right? Is our, are we looking at God as this guy up there who's just trying to like make sure we're checking the boxes, or are we looking at him as somebody who wants relationship with us? Because that's, that's what the servant uh, did to the master. He, he said, hey, like, you're just a shrewd guy. You just harvest where you don't plant. He, like, he like, gives all these things to the master, which are probably true, but he, that, he uses that to dismiss his responsibility to what God had given him, what the master had given him. And so it's vital for us to check our attitudes, right? And that's what's serious, and I want you to hear that, is to fail to do good, as we see in this story, and use what God has entrusted us to use, drives the servant to utter darkness. It wasn't the master wanted to do that. It was the, the, the servant's choice to not use well what God had given him, right? To not, you know, take what has been entrusted, what, God, what the master had saw on in him. Instead, he buried it. You see, this illustration is meant to evoke the idea as we see here, of hell, right, of the weeping and gnashing of teeth, this place of separation from God, right, that's the ultimate punishment, is that we are separated from God, tears and gnashing of teeth, you see, it doesn't matter what's in your hand, as I said, it matters if you're faithful with it, and our final thought today, our final point is this, and worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up here, is what you sow into matters, Right, what you sow into, and I love that idea, the scripture, and in Jesus' teaching and talking, he uses that illustration of farming and planting and growing and crops over and over again. And we as Sound Life Church, we believe that Jesus has called us to live a life of flourishing through knowing him and allowing him to change our lives. But what you sow into matters, right? What you another word here, which I don't, that's not my favorite idea, is what you invest into, because we think money when we think investments in the Western culture, like investments, right? What you sow into, what you invest into matters. You see, the the foolish servant, the wicked servant, as the master says, buried the silver, right? He entrusted the silver to the earth. He entrusted it to the ground. He entrusted it to the, the, the dirt. You see, this was a method of saving, but it would certainly not grow it. There was no growth to happen with silver. Silver doesn't grow a silver tree. If somebody figured that out, that would be awesome. It doesn't happen. But this would never grow. You see, we need to be people who are investing in more than ourselves. They're investing, we're sowing into the things that matter and that's why at Sound like Church, we believe in relationship. Why we're investing in Jesus, biblical-based relationships that are, that we're challenging each other, we're growing together. We're, as scripture says, we're iron sharpening iron. Right, we're allowing those things. We we invest and we sow with our finances, right? Through giving to mission forward, giving to your tithes and offerings. We're saying, God, I'm trusting you with this. We invest with our time. Right? By showing up on Sunday morning and serving and showing up in our community when we do community events. We give invest by giving our investing our abilities, right? My awesome worship team here today. I mean, these guys are amazing. Right? But also. It matters how we sow the gospel that's been given to us. Right, the gospel truth of Jesus. What are we doing with it? Jesus gives us multiple depictions of what, what happens with, what we should be doing with that at the beginning of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey, you got the, the gospel, you don't, that's the light, you don't light a candle, put a cover over it. No, you gotta let it shine in the room. Right, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, the salt of the earth, it does not, if it loses its saltiness, you've got to throw it out. We have to be the salt of the earth. It matters how we sow the gospel of Jesus in our lives. It matters how we sow our testimony, our story. If you're not sharing the story of Jesus in your life, those of you that are followers of Jesus, pray that, pray to God this week, God, give me an opportunity to share the story that you're writing in my life. Make that prayer, right? And begin to just, say, just share that with people. Or are we investing, are we sowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Right, we read those in Corinthians, right? Of, of teaching, of prophecy, of speaking to those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, right? Of miracles. Some of us might have that that gift if we lean into to God. Are we sowing into the kingdom, or are we sowing into the earth? Are we just hiding it away? Right. That's. The question we have to ask, you see the good earth is not a good place to invest when it comes to looking at as the world. Jesus gives us this depiction in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, don't store up the treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, the thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be good reminder for us to check our heart good reminder for us to check our priorities where am i sowing where am i investing where am i giving my time my finances my abilities and what am i doing with the good store the goodness the good news of jesus you see what you invest in what you sow in matters what you focus on matters and whether you take jesus seriously when he gives us these these commandments matters what are we going to do with it? You see, the parable insists that we should be watchful. We should be checking our hearts. And we should be changing some things at times and repenting and moving closer to him and using what he's given us for his kingdom. And so as we move to a time of worship again, we're going to sing this song again. We're going to take communion in a moment. So if you haven't got your elements after as you start singing this song, you can. But what communion does, what well, this helps us remind us is this our moment? We do this the first Sunday of every month. So if you're like, what's when why when you know I showed up today? We're doing communion. Great, first Sunday of every month. But is this a chance for us to recalibrate? And, and, and to relook at my life and say, is my life, my priorities, my decisions, am I doing the am I doing the things right? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me? Right? If there's sin, we gotta we gotta repent that out. We gotta say, God forgive me, Lord, wash me clean. Sometimes it's wash me clean again. As Paul says we gotta examine ourselves. And so this morning as we before we sing the song, I just want to invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. In this place, just as an opportunity to look at yourself in the mind's mirror. You know, you're looking at yourself like you were this morning in the mirror, and some of you are like, you look good. Most of you look good. I was like, man, my beard looks kind of weird today. But today, right now, as you look at our mind's mirror, as we reflect on where we're investing, where we're sowing, what are we doing with God? As, with what God has entrusted us, with our relationships? Parents, how are we we stewarding the resource of our children, right? Are we growing them to know you, to love you, to serve you, to follow you? Leaders in this room who have jobs where they're managers, leaders, where they have influence over others, am I stewarding that influence in a way that is God-honoring? For husbands and wives, am I stewarding my marriage in a way that is God-honoring? For those that are single in the room, am I stewarding my sexuality? Am I stewarding my my life, my time, my resources in a way that honors you? For those with whatever amount of money, am I stewarding what you've given me, God, for your kingdom well? Am I sowing into the things that matter? God, help us to know. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that, Lord, knocks on our hearts, that reminds us, God, when we're going astray when our eyes and our focus and our attention is on the wrong things. God, help us to recalibrate our lives, to reformat our our budgets, God, to reformat our time budgets so we, we can live in a way that honors you. So God, we thank you, Lord. We just wanna be your good and faithful servants, Lord, as those first two servants were. It didn't matter what they brought in. It mattered that they were faithful with what they were given. And God, we've been given so much in this life. We've been given so much in this country, God, so much as your children help us to steward that well. It's in Jesus' name we pray.